<laughs> this is Babastus. She says hi to everyone. She's complaining a lot. She wants to go outside. Why don't you let her outside? Because uh, she's the one that disappears for a year, then comes back. So, oh, <laughs> it's like weird. I don't want to like really worry about her. No. I have a harness that I let her get her exercise and uh, sunlight, but it's too complicated right now. So, well, speaking of exercise and sunlight and getting health, that is what today's episode is on. Thank you for joining us. Seth has got the topic that we're going to be covering. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Obviously, you you probably read the title, but besides that, we'll introduce everybody and we'll get right into it. I'm one of your hosts, Alex. I'm Seth. I'm Clark, aka the Reverend Michael Snakebite. And I am Grindhouse Zombie. And with that, Seth, tell us what we're going to be talking about today. We're talking about health fitness longevity protocols today and some of the memes out there with current events and and public figures i dropped in listener hangout room uh part of my protocol i wasn't able to get all of it done but uh that you guys can like read along if you want uh we're we're gonna kind of bounce around a little bit i want everyone the, the it's open for floor discussion uh uh just chime in if you guys have any questions or just want to uh say anything about anything and where where would so where would you guys like to start i mean we got diet we got um certain types of longevity drugs we've got all kinds of things this is this is where i would like to start and if if you guys agree with me uh or disagree with me just let just let me know you as the listener if you're wondering where you can get to us on the discord if you go to podbean.com you type in that's effing weird our page will show up. There's a link to our Discord so you can actually see what Seth's regiment is looking like uh, when he's talking about this. I think that would be a good place to start. As let's, let's use you, Seth, as like the baseline example, and then we can pull where you're getting from or like what kind of examples or where you, why you're doing the things that you're doing. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, 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 once in a while I'm asked, like, why am I so like into this? But it's basically like I had, uh, like when I was younger, you know, uh, questionable mental health, uh, I was obese. I had a whole bunch of like autoimmune issues specifically like thing. It, autoimmune is basically just your immune system attacking itself. Uh, it's being inundated by multiple things that it doesn't know how to process and there. It's so your immune system is on like heightened alert as if uh, there's constantly some kind of foreign invader or whatever. And so eczema, things like that can, can pop up because your, your body is essentially attacking itself. Um, And then it was kind of like, you know, over time, uh, you know, it, 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 I, I, I partied a little too hard. So it was like this incremental thing of like, okay, well, I got to stop doing that because I was having like extremely adverse side effects from my lifestyle. And then it kind of like went in increments over time on how extreme it became. Um, I've also uh, had a ton of um, food sensitivities growing up. And so I'm, I'm like super sensitive to a lot of different foods. And uh, so that is that is how I got into like uh, intermittent fasting. And then through that, you see like with all the research out there, the different mechanisms and all the cool things that happen with intermittent fasting. And 
and I just am a fan of that. Um, can you, so Seth, can you explain the intermittent fasting and what you mean by that? Yeah. So personally, what I do is I eat once a day. It's usually between seven or 8 PM, something like that. Uh, there's a thing called like, there's a clock that starts every morning when you start your day. Um, and I'm toying with the idea of starting my one meal a day in the, in at the start of the day rather than the at the end. So like when you eat or actually consume anything other than just water, uh, there's a systematic cascade of enzymes and everything that start activating in your body to process things and divvy up resources. And that those enzymes ha follow kind of a natural 12 hour ish clock where once they start, they naturally start to wind down uh, kind of per your circadian rhythm, uh, day and night cycles. So when, when, when that happens, if you were to, for instance, eat outside of that clock, you can run the risk of elevated cancer risks, inf inflammatory diseases, heart disease, all kinds of things down the line. If you're reactivating that, those systematic enzymes and all that stuff to process all those things that your cells have to assimilate and divvy up. Like one of the things is, is with intermittent fasting, you're clearing up a bunch of mechanical wear and tear on your cells. Every time you eat your, uh, your system has to allocate where that goes, break it down. And a whole bunch of stuff is activated. Um, this is such a huge, I I'm having trouble figuring out where to start. I can just like, for me, it was like, I was getting my systemic inflammation down by doing once a day eating. And then what I ate within that window was carefully selected. Um, if, if anybody wants to kind of go down this road, there's a really good test called Alatest. It's basically a blood test that uh, uh, takes a blood sample of yours and compares it to an entire list of food, like common foods and stuff. And you can see individually what your blood reacts to in terms of uh uh antigens and like things that you may or may not have mild allergies to and then it's not that you just need to avoid them like the plague it's just that using that as a guidepost you can kind of reduce inflammation which is just more wear and tear um so i have a question for you seth so now with you doing this intermittent fasting is this something that you went to a dietitian, or is this something that on your own accord are choosing to do now the only reason why i say that is because i'm looking online right now and it says from the balance nutritionist.com and this is coming from a registered dietitian named jamie um i can post the link or whatever if you guys want but in the article it says a good guideline for everyone to follow is that you should eat to a is you should eat every three to four hours now i'm what i'm i guess what i'm wondering is would that be a better guideline to follow than this intermittent fasting i guess how often do you do the intermittent fasting is this something where this is your life where you do this fasting or is this only like a chunk like a week at a time or like two weeks at a time you do this and then you're back onto like a normal eating schedule. I have been eating like this every day since about 2015 or 16, somewhere in there. Um, so 
outside of obviously like holidays and things that are hard to socially avoid, I'm not going to be that strict, you know, you got to cut loose every now and then and, and all of that. But generally speaking, I, I do, I've been doing this for years every single day. Um, so I have a quick question when it comes to what you were just saying there. <clears throat> so when you do quote unquote cut loose, because I honestly think that you can train your body to be okay with a lot of things. Um, and I'm not going to go on the ledge of saying is one wrong is one right. Cause that's not up to me. Everyone's an individual. They got to figure out their own things. But do you find with this, cause I think, I think it's safe to call it your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. If you go to Thanksgiving dinner and you overeat, do you get the equivalent of a hangover from it? Do you, do you notice really negative effects? Uh, yeah. So, um, and it's not just that if there's anything where I'm eating outside of my normal time frame or the kind of food that I do eat, um, I, I, um, I get sleepy and I get bloated and I'm just like not having any of it. So, uh, like when I work, I do, uh, hey, uh, a mixed bag of manual labor. I prefer not to eat during the day because if I eat, I will, um, I will get really slow. I'll just want to nap and, and lounge around. Um, that's what happens to me personally. Now, if I were to do what I was talking about earlier, where it was like, maybe I'll play with start starting my one meal at the beginning of the day. So I, I don't ever run the risk of being outside of that enzyme clock. Um, there's going to be a little bit of a, a uh, kind of uh, my, my system's going to have to go through that to get back to that normal. I don't know, but right now I'm not worried too much about it, but yeah, well, basically what you're saying, I absolutely have consequences. If I, if I eat uh, more than I'm used to or something I'm not used to um, like, I can't drink like stuff like soda anymore. The, the one rare time I do a massive amount of bloatage and, uh, uh, I'm just so thirsty. I just generally feel like trash after I do like anything that's straight up sugar, um, which is a run, you know, when you're at a holiday party, like that's always around. Um, and I really like my aunt's, uh, macaroni and cheese that they make. So. <laughs> Clark, um, what do you think about all this? Uh, well, I've already kind of <clears throat> scrolled down through the thing. Uh, I'm kind of more interested in some of the medicines, vitamins, and things like that. Uh, so I'll get to that part more when we get there. But um, as far as like on the surface, like uh, I, I kind of get that when you drastically change um, a diet or also forcing your body type, I guess, against its will sometimes to change. Um, because I do still believe there's a lot of genetic factors that no matter how well you take care of yourself, sometimes genetics are going to win at the end of the, in the, you know, at the end of the day or into the battle, I guess, because you could probably take care of yourself best you can. You might drop dead at 60 or something. Um, yeah. But, and then like I said, the same thing on the opposite end, you can be Ozzy Osbourne and just punish your body and you're going to, you know, <laughs> yeah. live to the eighties. So, um, so like you never really can predict what's going to happen to your body. But um, I will say from my own personal experience and kind of going with the whole like food hangover thing is um, all I can think of is like my own college experience where um, I came out as a more built uh, body type out of high school. I was about 195 and I was going to college to play baseball. And when I got there, they basically said, Hey, guess what? You're never going to hit again. You're a pitcher. So don't do the things you're doing. This is now your workout. This is now your diet. And um, 
I dropped like 30 pounds. I got down to like 163 in like like four months, three or four months. And it was all like muscle, but it was such a drastic change to my body uh, because basically I've almost put myself into, into keto before keto was like a thing. Um, like I didn't even know that's what it was doing. But um, like I dropped weight so fast and everything, but maintained muscle that the first time I ate something that was like really rich, it was actually, I remember exactly what it was. It was Chinese food. Um, my body just kicked it back. Like I vomited like almost immediately after eating um, just because it was way too rich for my body to handle after just drastically changing my entire diet over a period of like five, six months. So yeah, I, I definitely understand that like your body will adapt, it readjust and then, you know, yeah, just kind of, it'll get so used to that that it, you can't go back to that other lifestyle or you have to gradually get back into stuff like that. So yeah. 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 I, when, when we're talking about this too, and it's what, what is really astonishing with you saying that you do this intermediate, intermediate, intermediate fasting. And, um, when I was looking at your chart or the, the PDF file that you dropped was the workouts then that you do as well, as far as like the cardio, your full body workouts now for you. And then on top of that, you say that you do a mix of like manual labor and like mental labor, like, you know, probably behind a computer or, you know, you have to use your brain power rather than physical. How does that all play? And then in all of this as well, do you find it that you need like an apple or you need like some sort of snack after the workout? No. Uh, so the only time I like, if there's a time where I'm like, you know, food is starting to pop into my brain. Generally speaking, I don't think about when I'm really on point and I'm eating once a day and it's really strict and I'm still in a calorie deficit when I do eat, I rarely um, think about food. The longest fast I went on, zero food, was 16 days. Um, and past like the three, four day mark-ish, somewhere in there, you really stop thinking about food. Like you, you don't. Um, now, once you get past like a certain point and you're in like, you know, week two or whatever, uh, I was having crazy dreams about food. Uh, that was, I remember that pretty vividly. Um, but I wasn't like, uh, it was weird. You're something happens after a certain point. And, and, and I'm, I'm glad that, uh, Clark brought, brought that up about the genetics and background and everything. And, and generally speaking, despite genetics, I mean, there's so much adaptability play within that. Uh, but there, what's really interesting is in a lot of like the fasting studies and general things like that, there was, I forget the name that there was a tribe that was followed around by researchers and, Generally, what they did was they would they would hunt for several days without any like food to speak of like there were beverages and things to kind of keep you going day to day. But generally speaking, they weren't eating every single day. And then when there would be a, a big kill, there would be um, eating and, and like with that kind of hunting, you're eating a lot of saturated animal based fats and proteins and, and then organ meats, they don't let organ meats go to waste. So you've got like a, a bunch of like heme iron and uh, bioavailable B vitamins and etc. Um, and they were very lean, but uh, could tolerate treks for hunting, whereas the the Westerners that were following them around could could barely handle it all because they they were going through like such extreme 
things with their not eating. They, they their body was like ad- having to adapt to it. So that that's fascinating in and of itself. Um, what's really interesting is past. It was originally thought at three days of fasting, but it's really closer in between three to five days of, of total caloric fasting that your body switches into a fa- like an autophagy phase, which is just a fancy Latin word for saying self-eating. It Your body starts prioritizing dead or damaged cells that are like not really alive, not really dead. And they're, they're, they're called senescent cells that just kind of hang out. And what's the problem with senescent cells is they start secreting uh, these really bad uh, chemicals that signal to the other cells around and those other cells start misfiring and acting strange. So senescence kind of spreads when one cell is acting faulty, it kind of locally spreads a little bit. This is kind of the same way cancers and tumors work. Um, And what's really interesting in terms of like hair graying, localized um, hair follicles. So like if you're having starting to have a senescent cell in like your scalp, which I've got like some gray hairs peppered throughout on the sides of my or especially if there's damage, I have some scars on the back of my head the damaged cells when that happens around hair follicles the the weird chemical secretions and and like inflammatory markers that are being sent out to all the other cells around it for some reason when those senescent cells start to spread if a hair follicle is nearby it for whatever reason it starts stripping its ability to form pigments which then you get gray hairs and like a different kind of uh, hair structure because gray hair isn't just gray it like changes it's like a little more coarse it's a, it, it changes how how it is it's not as soft anyway um so how it synthesizes changes and throughout some of the stuff which will come to brian johnson because it's that whole thing is just hilarious but in all of the things that he's been doing uh there has been a reduction of localized hair follicles uh being stripped of pigment and he's getting more natural now he colors his hair uh we're all vain a little bit uh but he uh there has been an increase in color in some of of the hair follicles bringing up brian johnson i want to quickly throw out and i'll throw this in the discord uh uh so that listeners can look up there's a few names if i were to say if, if if anyone was interested in longevity pathways and research there's a handful of people there's dr Rhonda patrick which does uh amazing work in um sauna use sulforaphane but the but the resources i would say is uh dr Rhonda patrick um Dr. David Sinclair, which does longevity research with uh, nicotinamide mononucleotide, NAD stuff, which has to do with um, uh, core energy within cells. Um, And then um, uh, Andrew Huberman. um, And then you've got like Brian Johnson and stuff like this. So So anyway. Seth, I got to ask, because this, I think, I don't know if Clark and Grindhouse are thinking this, but I, I have been thinking this since I since I read uh, read your thing, because uh, this is what this is what it says um, is uh, the purpose of this life extension and disease resistance with current protocols and technology. I believe the average life expectancy can be raised to ninety through hundred plus years. Now, is that saying on top of what humans already live to, or are you saying that every like the average? Uh, can be ninety to a hundred. Oh, the, the the just the average lifespan. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, yeah. 
first, okay. This is my question. Why would you want to live to be that long? See, have you see, seen? Have you, have you seen? I guess, see, that's why I said disease <laughs> resistance. So there, there's a. All right, all right, because you're still thinking in terms of someone getting to eighty and having our current eighty-year-old ailments. What I'm yeah. saying is yeah. that ninety to a hundred, then those ailments start showing up those age-related elements showing up. Basically, we're, so this is gonna get into rapamycin and mTOR. Um, what I'm saying is not only, because at the end of that, I, I said that the, the object isn't to live forever, it's, it's to live long and die fast. I don't want to be a burden on my loved ones. I don't want to be feeble and half there. Believe me, if, I, if, that, if it meant like from 80 and then you add, you know, 40 years. I don't want like, you know, that much, <laughs> you know, be being senile that long. That's ridiculous. No, what I'm saying is, is that we're, we're kicking the can down the road to where the average lifespan is extended, but also age related illness is also, uh, cause if you think about it, aging is just, um, the build up of damage that isn't being cleared in real time. When you're younger, you are still accumulating genetic and cellular damage, but you are fixing it at a much higher rate. Once you get to a certain age now, you're still you're accumulating that damage and probably some more, but your ability to rebound and uh, correct that damage is decreasing at a alarming rate. So okay. the Go ahead. Go oh, no. Finish. Finish. Finish what you're going to well, say. Well, so so basically, if 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 it's just an accumulation of damage, if you were to take an 80 year old and 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 that amount of cellular degradation was being fixed at the same rate that it was a it was occurring, you would have someone that would look, you know, much younger despite their chronological age. So you, is, is the, here's the thing though, is with all of this going on, is the mind, is the mind, yeah, I mean, yeah, because it's cause the that's, same thing. You're it's still mind, made up of a bunch of cells. It's still part of, so I, I do, I know what you're saying. Go, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to, okay. Cause yeah, tell me if I'm right or wrong, but you look at the mind of like a 70 or 80 or now, if you're 70 or 80, I'm not. I'm not hating on you at all, but you're not as sharp as a 20 or 30 year old. I think we can all agree. Now, if you're saying that with these protocols, you can, we can make that the new like 70 or 80 is the, is the 90 or hundred is the, is the mind going to stay as sharp or is the mind, is that something where the brain and how we operate, it just deteriorates, deteriorates faster and there's nothing we can do to keep it sharp. Because so, physic because physically, yes, we could maybe look like long like look younger and you know continue on. But if 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 your brain is mush, what's the point? <laughs> you know what well, I mean? That's the thing. If you're if you're at, if you're repairing and facilitating an environment for uh, optimum cell function, your your brain is no different than your liver. Now you've got the added obstacle of the blood brain barrier and and a few challenges there um the 
well, okay, I'll, I'll point to a faulty study that where um, certain classes of drugs were issued out as a result um, when we talk about something like amyloid plaque buildup or whatever. You know, it was, it was thought a, a long time that a lot of uh, dementia and Alzheimer's related things. So when you have neurons and those, 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 those nerves are firing, that's thought. I mean, it's a giant network of these things going on, which is logging memory, is, is processing information in different regions of your brain in different networks of, of, of nerve bundles. But the, the basic thing is, is between those, the, between those nerves in the synapses, there's uh, plaques that build up, amyloid, uh, beta amyloid plaques, and et cetera. Um, and, and that is a byproduct of thought. Like, but if you abuse something like cocaine or amphetamines, your brain, your cognitive speed up is outstanding. But the problem is you're accumulating way more plaque buildup between those synapses because everything is firing faster. Um, that being said, the, the, the root cause of Alzheimer's is multifaceted. So there's a whole bunch of faulty stuff that had to do with issuing out a drug for Alzheimer's that had to do with uh, amyloid plaque research. But generally speaking, I think that that is a very good, um, that, that still has credence because the, the plaque buildup, there's still something going on there. It may not be the main pathway, at, but it is a piece in a puzzle. So let's just kind of look at that for a second. When do you clear plaque buildup within neurons inside the brain? It's sleep. Uh, you can increase the cranial pressure because uh, during a certain stage in your sleep, the brain actually swells. It's either the brain stem or part of the brain where, where your brain is undergoing um, clearing out of all of this stuff. So there's a really cool kind of hack you can do where you can, at night, you can put like a pillow under your mattress to elevate your legs, which increases the cranial pressure at night during the sleep stage to clear out more plaques. Um, um, uh, so what, going back to what you were saying, the brain is just a, another lump of cells and, and biology that follow the same rules. If it was accumulating damage at a slower rate and that damage was being rectified at close to re we're not close to real time but you know what i mean if it was still being cleared at a, at a, a reasonable rate your brain deterioration would just be as slow as whatever else you're working on liver heart kidneys lungs you know full body cellular activity it's just all the same thing. Now, then there's the argument, uh, you know, of, of like memories and et cetera, like however you expend. And me and Clark have touched on this with vampirism, the longer you live and mem how memory works. I generally think there's a, there's a ticking clock on all of these pathways there. It, it, it gets so complicated and there's so many multiple routes. Uh, it's going to end eventually, but the, the, the main thing is, is that I think that it would work similarly to how there's a bunch, the further you go back in time in your development, you know, memories become hazier, misremembered, et cetera. And, and so you're, you know, you're pushing that time where you're remembering and thinking forward to the future and everything. It, I think it works the same way, but there will eventually be a decline. Um, so. Okay. All right. Okay. I have a is, question about yeah. life expectancy, just kind of in general and how that's ebbed and flowed over time. So 
So going back to say 1900, the average life expectancy was about 47 years old. Um, other than a few blips in history, one of them being 1918, I'm sure everyone knows why, when the life expectancy went down to 39, briefly, um, it has effectively trended upwards. I mean, over the course of time, going from effectively 47 to about 78 point something years. Um, one of the interesting things then is, again, because of a very predictable thing, for the first time in forever, the average life expectancy in pretty much every country in the world went down anywhere from a year and a half to four years. Um, and I think we, again, all know why that was in 2020. So understanding that um, with all these protocols and all these things, and you saying that you expect to see a uh, a, a palatable, a perceptible shift in what we define almost as, call it old age, I guess, um, and how part of what you're trying to do, and this is just me trying to understand, so I'm just working it through my brain. You're So you're trying to perceptively move what we see as old age to further down the road. Yeah. Um, and by doing that, keeping the younger, healthier, more energetic you, you to what is effectively a completely different stage of life. Um, and yes. that's, so, yeah. So, so, okay. So overall, I mean, this is, this is super interesting. Um, and I, I like Alex's point of, well, why would you want to live that long? But at the same time, if that's your goal is to perceptibly move that scale out 10 or 15 or 20 years, um, I can see that as being, I mean, not only reasonable, but be perfectly honest, very desirable. If you can still be active and healthy and thinking, I mean, I look at I look at my wife's grandmother. We just had her 90th birthday. This lady is sharper than I am and has more energy than I do. Um, so, granted, I think she's probably um, a, a blip on the scope. I don't think every 90-year-old is quite that way. Um, but at the same time, it does change my perception of what old age is and what I expect it to be for me. Now, let's, I'm sitting here drinking caffeine and smoking cigarettes while we're talking about, I understand my future. <laughs> I'm okay with it. I, I, I've made my decisions. But it does, it does make me think, you know, um, and maybe not an umbrella lifestyle change, but, you know, saying that you've been doing this lifestyle since 2016 and you i mean you i'm assuming you're to a point now where it's just a matter of course it's not something that you think about every day it's just no. what you do yeah and i think that in my head is the more monumental shift than anything else is changing what you do and changing into a new lifestyle that that i think is the the hardest part of it because i think about changing my lifestyle and it's like oh god that would just be a nightmare yeah um but i love the idea of not just saying I want to age gracefully, but actually sliding the scale. I love that idea. I think, yeah. Clark, were you going to say something? Yeah, it's kind of an addendum to that. It's not really a rebuttal to anything, but like a, I don't know, just something sitting there between what we just heard between Seth and Grindhouse. Um, he, he kind of touched on it, but it was something that was sitting in my mind is we're also basing this on a baseline human being. It's, we'll just say C's across the board. They're not outstanding in any given area or deficient in any area. So 
that's another thing is like you know not judging the lifestyle i think it's a i think it's a noble cause that everyone should maybe strive for just to want to better yourselves and i think we've as a society kind of done that because back when i was in the band like i feel like i was in the last generation of bands that were like woohoo party like get hammered get you know drink a pint before you're even on sound check and stuff like that now like all the bands you run into they're all like super straight edge and healthy and it seems like it seems like you don't see that you know kind of lifestyle anymore um but but yeah like i said it, it, we're kind of seems like no matter what you do and and i'm not I'm, I'm not going to base on the genetic thing too, but I still have questions about the genetic part of it. But yeah, like if you're basing that on someone who, like I said, is just right in the middle, average, then yeah, I think it trends to work. But I think that there's too many variables of like things that are out of your control. Like if you come out of the womb and you're not 100%, if you have a uh, a mental, you know, um, you know, disorder, illness, whatever of any kind or something like that. How much does that take into effect? Cause you're just keeping, you're keeping a brain that's already, you know, flawed. I'm not saying you're a bad person for having something like that. I mean, we all have anxiety or depression right. or something, but if you have a inherent flaw, aren't you just maintaining, you're not bettering that brain. Or are you just maintaining for a longer period of time? Do you know, you know, it's kind of going back to yeah, the all so like, if you have like a, a genetic predisposition to like schizophrenia or something. And, and you're saying that you're just prolonging that suffering. Is that what I'm picking up? No, I'm not even calling it suffering necessarily. I'm just saying you are technically, aren't you, isn't the idea of this to like say, keep your cells as healthy as possible. Keep basically like you're, you know, we're not taking in genetic death right now. We're not talking about right. telomeres and shortening and stuff like that. We're, we'll get into that. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But as far as actually cellular, like, degradation and preventing as much of that as possible yeah i mean kind of aren't you just maintaining like it's not going to make that person like do you think some of these like regimens can actually make someone better or do you think it's you know is that cellular like i said are all you ever going to be the best that you can be is what you were kind of born as and you're just prolonging that right uh, no i i completely think that um let's say you have a genetic predisposition to some kind of mental uh, uh, burden of some various form. I absolutely think that if everything is functioning at optimum, uh, optimum, like you're just functioning extremely well, that you're going to have a massive reduction in symptoms. I'll give you an example. Um, uh, uh, OCD and a few other things run in my family a bit. And growing up, I was uh, had very debilitating OCD to where everything was being checked, everything was in uh, rows and order, uh, locks and lights and uh, faucets and all kinds of things. Uh, I would stare in the mirror and repeat mantras of, of things that I would be afraid of, like when I was a kid, like things that would be um, like a horrible idea, I would repeat like these things. And if I didn't say it quite right, I had to repeat it and repeat it. It was like very debilitating o OCD. Um, um, so, I mean, there's so many pathways to uh, uh, mental health. So like one of the main huge factors is gut biome health. Um, uh, there's been a lot of compromised gut biomes where there are certain types of bacteria that secrete chemicals that cause direct brain inflammation some of that has been linked to certain types of uh, spectrums in uh, like in autism spectrum 
uh, not to say it's just that one pathway, but it's it's one. So if um, one of the things that they find in 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 uh, more and more, uh, there's more uh, of a percentage of people that ha are on some kind of spectrum like that. And uh, uh, a lot of find a lot of autoimmune is found uh, in tandem with that, especially um, inflamed gut linings. Uh, extremely compromised gut biomes, and in turn, the central nervous system is inflamed, causing brain inflammation. And we know that this can occur in things like encephalitis, with massive uh, brain inflammation can cause basically schizophrenic uh, uh, symptoms. Um, there, uh, like I believe, what was that one? There was a there was one uh, thing I got that very much mimicked that. It was a massive infection. I got right after a water park in Kentucky, um, I got a massive case of clostridia and I had to get go to a custom pharmacy where they did blending. They did, it was like they, they made this re really specific cocktail of antibiotics to solve that. During that time, I was insane. Like the, the I was just at, at my worst. Um, so, I think that there are a bunch of what well, you name the mental disorder. And I think there's a whole bunch of things that go into it ultimately being what it is. But I think that there are a lot of pathways that can be corrected and, and dramatically improved to where symptoms and suffering can be massively reduced. Um, I, I look at myself in on a light lighter end of that scale and know that at least in my situation, I was able to dramatically fix certain things. And, 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 and I'd also have this, uh, annoyance where my early twenties, I feel like I, I wasted a lot of time. Uh, and I like this whole thing of the idea of, um, genetic age versus chronological age. Cause of all the things that I've done, even before getting on some of the drug product protocols that we'll talk about in a minute, I feel like I'm buying a little bit of that time back and extending my prime years. Um, uh, there is a really cool company called HealthSpan that I'll also link in the description. It's a telehealth organization that will um, provide four drugs for you. One is metformin, rapamycin, which is arguably the most important, um, low-dose naltrexone, and uh, acarbose. Uh, uh, they also complementary. You get like a shipment of pharmaceuticals every three months. You can set your own time where you want stuff to get into your mail. Um, they send a complimentary blood work panel that you just go to your local lab corp, get blood drawn. It's included in the price. And they go through all these markers, A1C, triglycerides, hormones, just a whole myriad of, of uh, things we know are that are points in aging and, and all of that. Um, so my biological age coming back, but because you when you start these drugs, you have to get a baseline of what it was your blood is doing before rapamycin and naltrexone and metformin. Uh, and then you are on it for about three or four months, and then you get another complementary blood panel to see where you're at. Uh, my, my baseline biological age was 22. Um, I am 34. Um, so now that is based on... Uh, there's about three main researchers. They send you a whole thing of literature. It, it all of the way they determine that number is like this ever shifting thing. Um, it's based on three main researchers and a few other um, universities. And then they kind of approximate your genetic age. Uh, 
from 22, um, the updated one, they're, they're constantly adding updated because the, the panel of data is increasing dramatically because this thing, this kind of thing is becoming more and more popular now. So they're getting way more data in. Last time I checked that number, uh, got adjusted to 24, which I'm still fine with, but th that number shifts around as more information comes in. Um, uh, so we can get into, oh, and, and also I want Clark to pipe in when we get into, uh, um, um, telomeres, cause I know you're familiar with that. And so the way I work in terms of researching this, I get like super honed in and hyper-focused on one thing, research it to death, and then create some kind of protocol that becomes second nature to me. And then like, as I go to the next thing to research, a lot of the peripheral information starts kind of being thrown out by my brain because I'm focused on the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So I always get confused because in the, when, when in the process of trying to get your cells to divide less and those uh, chromosomes within your cells being, being transferred with, you know, your epigenetics and everything and, and that cell division, telomeres get shorter, et cetera. Now there are some peptides that have been developed to lengthen telomeres, other drugs that lengthen telomeres. The part that's starting to get hazy to me, and I used to know this, is if you keep adding length to those telomeres to where the genetic information isn't being lost uh, within the chromosomes, the one thing they're finding in animal studies is the more you kind of artificially keep that cell immortal, you are increasing the risk of cancers and tumorous growth because there are some uncontrollable like kind of data degradation in that genome that are being transferred in a copy of a copy. And then you start getting bizarre things. And we can keep a cell immortal by constantly dividing. The problem is keeping the information within the cell uh, clean so we don't have cancer pop up. Now, now that has to do with telomeres and epigenetics. And that's some of the stuff that my mind has leaked out. And you can probably enlighten us on that. Um, so if you want to do that now, we can do it because I will start switching over to mTOR and these drug classes. Uh, I mean, you pretty much summed it up. And I'm not going to say what my own personal theory on lengthening telomeres and uh, basically in, per in perpetuity is going to lead to because I'm writing a book on it. And I'm not going to spoil that. Okay. So, um, so I won't say my own personal thoughts on what that might lead to, but, uh, but yeah, essentially, you know, um, you're making cell death or, or genetic death within cells is basically like making a copy of a copy. You keep copying, copying, and copying, copying, and eventually it fades away. Um, I mean, that's what you do. You keep running the same document through a copy machine and then run that copy through a copy machine and then run that copy through a copy machine. That's what you're basically doing. Um, and yeah, and it's going to get shorter and shorter. Now, if, some people would think now that we've mapped the human genome, theoretically, if you could prevent that genetic death, then yes, you could basically artificially create immortality. That's the, uh, I guess we, you would call the first theory, you know, baby step theory, I guess, into looking into this stuff. And that's what makes it so desirable for a lot of people is because that opens the mind to starting to think about like, oh, what could we do to actually do this? But once again, going back to keeping the body healthy and not preventing you know, genetic death, that to me is kind of like doing a frame off restoration on a car that still has 300,000 miles on it. Um, you know, it looks great, but 
it's not running well. <laughs> so and that's like, what that's I mean. I... That's what I mean when I say the brain is going to turn to mush. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think I think if you look at the program as a whole and what they're trying to do, that's part of what they're trying to prevent. Um, so I had a couple of points. I'll, I'll go through them quick while they're still in what's left of my pile of mush. Um, so first of all, I can see, you know, somebody who understands OCD, because I've got some of that too, I can honestly see this lifestyle really lending to, just by virtue of your lifestyle, helping to alleviate a lot of those symptoms. Uh, the Just the stupid little stressors of life, the going to the grocery store, the meal plan, just all the dumb little things that we have to do, I can see that taking a lot of that away. Um, I can also see just when, I mean, the reality of people getting into these things and studying these things, um, you know, and where the R&D money goes and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, I, I said this before, and I'll always stand by it. We don't know what we don't know until we know it. But somebody has to study it, and somebody has to get the information. And it sounds like the company you're talking about is doing just that. Um, and then the big third point is that knowing what I know about the world and all the organizations that we have and, you know, trying to keep people alive longer, the, the reality of drugs and medications and medical research is uh, the companies have already figured out that treating symptoms is far more lucrative than hearing things. Um, and so I don't think the drive and the money is there to quote unquote cure death, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, I mean, if you umbrella this whole thing, it's it's something that man has been looking for in perpetuity for ages, and it's the fountain of youth. It's really what it is. Um, and there's historical explorers going back to uh, even Ponce de Leon that was looking for the fountain of youth. Um, I think it's I think it's an inherent in man to do it, and it's it's interesting to me. It's genuinely interesting. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass that you have engaged in this lifestyle and that you're pursuing it and that you take it very seriously. Uh, and despite, I mean, we talk about Brian Johnson and whatever else. I got some comments on that guy, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, and from an outsider's perspective, I'll be honest, it's pretty easy to, it's pretty easy to laugh at, right? And oh, to yeah. kind of kind of sneer at and go, well, what are you doing, you know? Um, but again, it's not my lifestyle. I don't have to live it. It seems like those people are getting results. and. I'll say what I said before, not everybody has $2 million a year to spend on that, you know, so good for you. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to talk about those guys, but I, I honestly, everything that I, that I read about this and even if there's a little piece of it, especially with the Johnsons, that is inherently a little bit creepy. That's the yeah. creepy part of it. <laughs> but I think the rest of it, honestly, is just, it's, it's fledgling science. It's, it's the, it's the, it's the bleeding edge. And that's yep. where we should always be. We should always be on the bleeding edge. If we're not on the bleeding edge, we've stopped and we don't care anymore. And so why, why not just keep researching? And to be perfectly honest, if it's what, if it's what works for you and it seems like it does, fuck it, live your life and do it. It sounds, I mean, it sounds like it's perfect for you. I mean, and the results that I've seen, I've, I've looked at a couple of studies and a couple of people that have run through some of these protocols. It does seem like the results are pretty obvious. I mean, it's in both just physical appearance, uh, how you are doing medically overall, weight loss, um, energy levels. It seems like it's all there. Um, it's just how do I motivate myself to do it at this point? <laughs> yeah. Do you know Seth, hey, do you know Seth, Seth, how long are you trying to live? 
<laughs> what's what, what, what's your goal, man? Like, I'm curious. I, I think I think if I can keep away from dementia and other kind of plagues like that, where life is miserable, um, I think that 120 is not oh, a unreasonable yeah, uh, age. <laughs> hey, no, like, Ooh. listen, like, yeah, but you take you take uh, the average <laughs> lifespan or the, the fact. I think my grandmother passed away at 94. Um, yeah. If you were to take that back to whatever era, you know, it, that would look ridiculous to them. Um, uh, so uh, I I think that I think that with like the thing is, if you talk to some of these people in Silicon Valley with a ton of money and they're doing all this stuff, they're get they're flying to Costa Rica to get stem cells. Uh, they're doing all of this stuff. A lot of them are going to have these kind of delusional statements like we can indefinitely keep you alive and reduce cellular damage while you're alive. So you don't have uh, any kind of ailments, mental or physical. And I think that um, you, when you go down that road, I think that you are the, the like uh, Clark said, we've mapped the human genome, et cetera. Um, there are so many pathways to so many things uh, that are so bizarrely complicated that the smartest amongst us on the planet are bickering back and forth like children over how you go about this or that or what this is. And then once we figure something out, something else kind of challenges it and makes it complicated. I think that it's going to get so complicated at some point, there's always an expiration date. Um, I, I, a lot of them look at things like starfish or certain things that produce asexually that are technically immortal cells. And, you know, the old thing where we chose procreation versus asexual, you know, division to, to be immortal. Like if you look at all of humanity as a, uh, as a um, organism, one so solid organism, how children look like their parents, they have some of the same traits, same thoughts, same uh inherited mental uh traits you know we're, we're, we're kind of like this giant um uh multi-bodied sing like single organism of humanity um whereas some organisms seem to you just cut them in half and then they just grow back as two individual uh separate entities which is really interesting but i i think that some of them are are a little delusional in the idea that it's just you can indefinitely prolong it. There's a guy that now Google acquired him in his research. There's a documentary about him. He's this he is this weird looking uh, uh, British guy that is uh, convinced that of that that through genetic engineering and fixing um, uh, genetic damage in real time, both you know epigenetics and genetic damage and cellular decay. Uh, in real time that, that there is no there is no uh, there is no time limit. I mean, look, I just think that that's going to get really complicated. And, and in our lifetime, we're not going to see that or whatever, if we ever even get to that kind of thing. Um, but you know, it doesn't it doesn't, uh, it doesn't guarantee that our sun isn't going to burn out and things like that. So <laughs> it doesn't really matter. My, my the, the point is, is, is that uh, what well, we can do some pretty and amazing things while we're here. And my whole thing is like, I'm a kind of a eternal optimist. I, I think that it's fascinating and why not? I, it's just exciting and interesting and why not pioneer or be like part of a crowd that tries to pioneer the definition of aging or, you know, whatever that is.
I think you answered my next question that I was going to ask you, um, which was if this doesn't pan out, let's say like you get like to like, you know, 80, 85 and you go to the doctor and they're like, Hey man, you got like a month to live. Like you, mm. you, you gave it your all. Would you feel like all of this was a waste of time? But you just kind of answered that with, you feel, you feel like you're a pioneer. you feel, you know, you you feel like you're, testing the waters of this because it it is fairly new um in the realms of research and like theory like correct me if i'm wrong but like how long has this been going on has this been like in the 70s 80s that this has been going on or is this fairly recently like early 2000s mid 2000s mean this type of research yeah and like this sort of like try it's to so make... multi-tiered it, yeah some older some really new Rapamycin has existed since I believe the 50s. And yeah. rapamycin was this kind of accidental discovery. It was a, a, a bacteria found on Easter Island called uh, Rapa, Rapa New. I mean, uh, one of the islands is called Rapa Nui or something like that. And, and then yeah. the, the name of the bacteria was named after it. Uh, by the way, visit our merch store. Uh, uh, nine out of 10 uh, Moai agree that you should take rapamycin. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the. Uh, <laughs> So okay, we, let, all right. Uh, right now, let's do this really cool thing where we we let a good segue into the whole Brian Johnson thing. Okay, when uh, when it comes to like these uh, influencers or whatever, um, what I like about Brian Johnson is that his protocol is completely open source. So yes, on the upfront, uh, he's spent a, an enormous amount of money with this. Comp- hobby essentially like look if i like retired and i made close to a billion dollars i'd have some eccentric hobbies i mean you know that i would i would i would be enjoying things um so his hobby is just dumping a ton of money into all this stuff one of the one of the reasons he spent so money and and it's not his pro like okay if you were to do his protocol verbatim um you're looking at about three thousand dollars monthly in cost uh when it comes to drugs diet uh supplements and some testing now his testing is very advanced that's where a lot of the money is going one of the other things that where the money is going is that he just bought basically a medical center that's in the upstairs of his house like he has all of these state-of-the-art uh measuring devices and therapeutic medical machines of all types and that's where a lot of the money is going so it's not that like his lifestyle per se you have to be spending two million a year or whatever um what's cool about him and i i know what if anytime you get one central figurehead like a influencer or a guru or whatever you're gonna have all kinds of weirdness and the one problem with humans are we're tribal and we like to get on teams and camps and uh and, and it's unfortunate that things get culty and weird. Um, but what I do like about him is that everything he's done, uh, like 99% of what he's done is published open source on his website. Everything he's take, taken, the stuff that has not worked, the things that have been altered, his supplement list, his diet, um, his all his measurements. Um, and he's like in the one percentile of like, you know, 18 to like 22 of like so many different biomarkers it's extremely impressive um so um 
that's what I have to say about him. Now, I think it's just fun. I love the spectacle of hey, things. Seth, you said what you thought about him. Hey, Grindhouse, yeah, what, do you, <laughs> what do you think about him? <laughs> well, okay, I've got a couple of thoughts. So my first honest thought is all these things that he's done, um, has any of it been subject to like peer review from the medical communities? Um, and if it has, what has been like their take on the whole thing? Now, again, being an eccentric millionaire and being able to do these things, I mean, that's like, I, I get that. I, I probably would do some weird shit if I had millions of dollars to blow on nothing, too. Um, that said, this guy and his, his son, who he, he refers to as his blood boy, they're creepy as fucking hell. I mean, <laughs> and if he's going to invest in anything in his house, he might want to put like a tanning booth in there because they look like goddamn vampires. <laughs> they really do. Um, but still, I mean, so yeah, he's weird. He's eccentric. Um, do I know that he's not on the cutting edge of something and in 50 years this will be the breakthrough? Of course I don't. I don't know that. Um, I would like to see more, like I said, peer reviews, more medical input, you know, on a, on a general basis, just how these things could actually affect you and all these different things that he's doing, all these different supplements he takes and things like that. Um, Again, I've seen a couple of different people that have, you know, used his protocols and the results are honestly are nothing short of astounding just in people's reported energy levels their you know, the amount of weight that they lose. Um, you know, I, there was a point in time people thought Howard Hughes was nuts. There's, I mean, you know, so I think to, to Seth's point, yeah, when you become the spearhead of something like this you also become a target for everybody. And that's just, that is just human nature. And people will come after you and people like me will call you weird and that you look like a vampire and whatever else. But I I don't have enough expertise on anything to say that these guys aren't about ready to crack open the fountain of youth. Maybe they are, I don't know. I I think in the meantime, their social media presence is weird. Creepy, just downright creepy, to be honest. Um, But... At the same time, if they're onto something, then maybe they're onto something. I just would like to see, I would like to see more of it backed up by, and I, I know this is kind of a cop out, but I, I would like to see the established medical field review all of this and see what, mm -hmm. you know, a hundred other doctors think, you know, and if 90 of the doctors are like, well, looks pretty good. Well, it, it takes a lot of the weirdness out of it for me, you know, so I just don't know if that's been done, if, if someone has really gone through this. Or maybe this guy's honestly just insane and he has enough money to be crazy in the spotlight and it's okay. And so here's my thing too when we're, we're talking about all this. Grindhouse, you said that recently, uh, how old was uh, your, your, the birthday of your, you said your grandmother? My wife's grandmother. She just turned 90. 90. And she's probably not doing any of this regiment, is she? Um, I wouldn't say she's doing any of the regiment. I would tell you that she works out frequently. She plays golf three times a week still. She tries to eat fairly well. I'll also tell you that she loves gin. So, um, <laughs> you know, so that's the thing. It's like, and we say that, and I think Clark made the point, and it's like, you can do all of these things, but there's always going to be some sneaky factor that maybe you don't know, something that's in your genes or something that's environmental or that is either going to prop you up or hold you back and you may not even know it. So I, I hope that when I'm 90, I'm half as active as if she is. And I, I don't think I'm ever going to like gin, but we'll see. 
and and that's just the thing is like it's it's really weird how there's just some people out there that don't even have to do this don't even have to watch what they eat or you know like yeah they might work out but then their workout might be playing golf going for a walk and they're they're in their 90s and then you have seth here i'm not seth i'm not bad mouthing you in any sort of way but you're doing all of these things and it's like what if you get to that point like what i said like you get to 80 85 and the doctor's like yeah you got a month it's like well fuck i did all of this stuff and then that old lady over there not bad mouthing your wife's uh grandmother grindhouse or anything it's just like it's just so weird that you can pour so much time and effort into it and it may be for nothing but again seth you have your you have your reasons and for you it's and, and kind of like what grindhouse was saying it's a lifestyle it's something that you've done for so long and now it's just like it's who you are as a as a person and you like who you are so it's and, and you you see the benefits and everything so and it's one of these i'd almost compare it to religion in a type of way where it's like well what's it, there, it, there's no harm in at least believing in something you know what i mean like believing in something is almost believe better than believing in nothing in a sort of sense so like doing this regiment there is no harm to it it's better to actually try it and see if it actually works because shit i mean if you're a hundred and you feel like you're 65 well holy cow then maybe this really does work and so it's i find it very admirable and i, I kind of like what grandhouse was saying it's 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 pretty cool that you're doing this and something that my wife and i were actually talking about and it's it's how like we try to solve everything, especially like in the West. It would be really interesting to have Roe on right now. But I feel like in the Western culture, we try to fix everything with a pill or a shot. And I feel like kind of like what you're doing, Seth, is in a sense like a, like a natural kind of different approach to living healthy. And I find that very cool that it's, it's not something that, you know, can be solved with is something as easy as a shot or a pill you have to do something to make yourself better so yeah just a little little tidbit well, yeah. of thought from me i mean that's a good point alex and maybe that's exactly the point of this is that seth is not approaching it from a typical western viewpoint where i can just pop a pill and everything will be fine he's doing everything and that's a that's a different level of commitment. It's a different level of lifestyle. It's a different level of everything where he's, he's not expecting to just take a pill and things will be fine. He understands that it requires step one through 10 and he does step one through 10 or 50 or however many every day sees those results every day. Doesn't ultimately know what the outcome is going to be because nobody's got a crystal ball. But I mean, if, if you can go through your life believing that you're doing what's best for yourself, if you can go through, feeling the best you can feel on most days, doing the most you can do on most days. Um, I would say if, if, if you get it into your head and it's where you want to be, why not do it? I, I, don't, I don't see a reason not to. What I would be kind of interested in, to, in seeing all of this stuff is that is there anything in particular that would be the cause for the longevity? So like, I, like looking at your... Uh, the PDF file that you had sent, like the sleep, like you say you shoot for, I think it said nine, eight to nine, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting if the human body really, like now I, I do know that the body needs sleep. That's just obvious. 
but it would be interesting if you could do all of these other things and then therefore you wouldn't need sleep as much. It'd be interesting to see like outliers like, okay, yes, you can still extend your life and you can actually now stay awake longer without sleeping as long. Like almost, it, I, I don't know if that would make, honestly, I don't know if that'd make any sense. I don't think it does, but it would be interesting if, to see like what you could take in and out from all of this to see like what is that real what is the true precursor to make the longevity or is it everything you have to do everything or it's not going to work that's the hard part with the research yeah. though is that um, there's there's got to be some money behind it right someone's got to pay for that research and pay to mm -hmm. have that data collected and if there's no payoff in the end, nobody's going to do it. I mean, everybody knows that you need sleep. That's, I mean, it, uh, I mean, we've been hearing that since, you know, you were a grade school kid. Get your eight hours of sleep, you know, and your your test will be better and everything will be fine. But I don't know that anybody really knows the, you know, between seven and eight hours is where you're perfect or between eight and nine hours is where you're perfect because there's no, there's nothing to be gained financially from any company that does any kind of research there's no payoff in the end so why would why would they bother with the data i mean i th i think it would be great to see too because like if somebody could show me that if you get seven to eight hours of sleep your productivity during the day will go up 20 percent. Well, i'd be all over that that'd be great but nobody can show me that i mean for me i get maybe five hours a night and i just go 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 and then eventually i crash that's just what i do now is that what's the best for me probably not mm -hmm. but i don't have a ton of data other than 50 years of being on this planet to tell me that I just keep going. It's what I do, you know? So that's maybe the biggest thing for me is the, the lifestyle changes and things like that. I think it's obvious. I think it's obvious. You know, I, I could lose weight. My blood pressure could be lower. I could do all these things. Um, but I'm always looking at like, well, so what exactly is the payoff for me? So if I do all these things, what do I, what do I get in return? And it's like, is it living longer? Well, you know, living longer is kind of subjective in my head. It's like, I know from my families, like my dad had Alzheimer's, he died of that. Um, that doesn't make me want to live longer. <laughs> I can tell you that. Watching watching a parent die of that is a, is a hellacious thing. So I'm not super motivated to care, I guess. So it's just interesting to see it from the perspective of somebody who, who is super motivated to care and the lengths that they'll go through to do it. And I'll say it again, I applaud it because it seems like it's, I could see it having a lot of different profound impacts on your life, not only just how you physically feel and how you mentally feel, but just in managing stress and managing your day-to-day -day life and just, you know, knowing that I'm getting up today and I have to do these things and I, and they're pretty much set out. They're pretty easy. I can do them. I can get on to the next thing. I can go do my job. I can go visit my family, do whatever it is I have to do. Um, so maybe more from my chair, it's more of, the lifestyle thing is really, I think, what is intriguing me about this, and that it is really, truly a lifestyle. The people that the people that are into this and really believe in it, it is a lifestyle. Um, and yeah, I say, if you got it in you, go for it. So I I just heard everything you said. Am I lagging? Yeah, just Hold a on. little bit. So. I, I'm assuming you can hear me, but there's a lag. I heard everything you guys said pretty much. Um, I think there's an issue. So I'm going to, I have a whole bunch of more things to say. So uh, I'm going to disconnect and come back on. Okay. Sounds good.
Uh, in the meantime, um, we heard a lot from Seth, Grindhouse, Clark. What What are your thoughts on most of this stuff now, too? Uh, <clears throat> kind of similar. You said a lot of the things that I was going to bring up where it was almost like, a, you know, I call it physical religion almost at this point. It's not, you know, if it fills a gap in your life, if it's something you want to do or something you strive to do, or if it just gives you something to, you know, work towards, you know, I, I see that as just being you're you're substituting physical health for spiritual health, or you know, it, or maybe it gives you spiritual health as well, kind of thing. Um, you know, maybe it's good for all of that. You know, whereas uh, whereas someone, you know, I've talked to people who you know are religious and they say, you know, they don't thrust it upon anybody, but at the same time they say, well, I needed it for me because you know, without it, I'm you know, like this. You know, whether it be they fall into something addiction or they just, they, you know, their, their own wiles betray them. So, you know, some people I know that are just religious and they're just like, yeah, well, I do it for my own mental, spiritual health, things like that, you know, and it's good for them across the board. Okay. You know, I've got really close friends who are like, I've got friends, I got a, one of my best friends actually is Catholic. And I always thought that his whole family was Catholic because who just randomly decides to be Catholic, you know, it seems like something you grow up in. And he's like, no, I chose it. I was like, Okay strange but you know and he told me the whole backstory he's like yeah he goes i need it because it's something i need in my he, he's like i need the rigidity because i need the rules he goes i need the kind of pomp and circumstance he goes i actually need that in my religion or i'm like he goes because he's such a wild card naturally as a person he's borderline feral so like he's like that's the religion i needed for me and i was like okay i i can get behind that i understand it so it's like you know sometimes that's just you know, you got to fill some kind of gap in your life or you need something that completes you as a person. And, um, you know, I can kind of see that. Like, so, like I said, so I don't look at that stuff and being like culty. Uh, like you kind of said, it comes off as being like kind of culty, but I do see like <clears throat> definitely the religious undertones to it as being something that maybe some, you know, people are missing something in their life and that kind of fills it. And it's easier for them maybe to tackle something that's a physical challenge, you know, and actually getting that, tactile reward of being physically punishing yourself kind of thing versus, uh, you know, maybe going to church and not really understanding what somebody's preaching to you. Yeah. Not, not, not to get too personal, Seth, but do you feel like this is kind of like a spiritual journey and that this is, you know, like some sort of, um, like there's a, I guess kind of like what Grindhouse was saying, like, kind of like, the, what what's the what's your purpose for doing all of this and is there anything kind of you know i don't know do you do you yeah spiritual about it for you and you don't uh, have to answer the question if it's too personal no, we no, can move on i don't care um the by the way if if i lag tell me and i'm just going to connect with my phone and, and 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 then yeah but anyway if i just tell me if i lag um I have my, I have, I kind of have those separate, like I have my spiritual life and faith and stuff, but this particular thing is very, um, mechanical to me. Um, this is just kind of a, um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of the, the meat machine thing that I do to, to maintain that vessel. Uh, I don't really, not really, but I get what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, the, when it comes to why, um, I just, I'm physically and mentally better than I ever have been. Uh, so that's one reason, but also I just have, a, I, it's very fun to me. Um, 
and that's really just it. I, I it also it bothers me. The, okay, so you know, you waste a day, and you're just never going to get that day back. That that kind of concept just drives me nuts. It, it so if you were to like you know pull out some kind of abstraction, like the idea that that we're going to uh, have times we waste and we'll never be able to get those back. I I even though I fall short a whole lot, I try to make sure that every day is more and more efficient i get more things done whether it be creative hobbies just work that makes me money uh, all, all of these aspects i really want to just do the best i can at and 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 kind of see where the next threshold is like i used to play way too many video games and stuff and i still like them but um i that kind of you know how you're trying to max out your character and get all the best stats and stuff and this and that in a game uh that same kind of like energy and drive is there just in my real world life now i think i've just kind of transferred that weird uh kind of obsession of like getting everything lined up really as as optimally as i possibly can is just i love it um but yeah that that's my short answer i guess for me i would say working out is very spiritual for me. There's something about it. I don't know what it is. Uh, there's, I listen to a lot of bodybuilders. I'm not trying to be a bodybuilder by any sense or anything, but there's a particular bodybuilder named Tom Platts. Yeah. And he even says he's like, every time he'd get, or like the squat rack is his altar. And like yeah. every time he would squat down, he's not sure if he's going to get back up, but he has to. It's like it's there's it's something like that where it's I don't know what about working out is like it's it's just you and it's something that you accomplish and you feel good. I, I don't know. It's that's that's my take on it. That's really the only thing outside of religion that yeah. I'd say is like kind of spiritual for me is just working out because it's. It's it's almost like you can get into your own world, and yeah. you're just you're. I don't know what it is, but yeah, that's I know that's I know exactly take. what you're saying. Yeah. Th those those mornings where you're at the gym, there's not that many people there. Uh, I like to combine bench press with some curls directly after that lift. Uh, I I like that kind of full engagement, but it, you're 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 emboldening that mind body connection. Uh, you're listening to your favorite tunes or whatever, and it's just like this. Uh, special time and then afterwards you have all those endorphins you just feel amped uh you know if you're doing something extreme you kind of have you're kind of feeling rough afterwards but the rebound from that is just spectacular that right after those heavy lifts and then you're kind of like whatever and then on the car ride home you're you're all of a sudden just like firing on all cylinders i i, I love it i yes and i and i agree and then speaking on like the same lines of like working out you also had the longevity daily supplement and drug list. Ah, if that's yeah. what you, if that, yeah, if that's the one that you want to get into next, I feel like this yeah. is a great segue into that. Okay. Um, uh, well, we can I'll, take a quick pause since he got up and I got to go grab something too. So let's do yeah, like a, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. And then we'll come back. All right. Ooh, yeah. And Alex, you should mention uh, the app. You should be, uh, give me like when we come back to it, give me like a detailed, uh, description of your uh lifting log app because i really like the um the graph function in it over time. oh my that's oh yeah it's it's so nice you know what? i'm actually gonna pull it up right now now that we have a yeah, little bit of time drop that in we should just dump all our resources in the where wherever on the discord because uh 
if someone really gets into this, there's just, there'll be so many things they can click on. Yes. I wish I had my, I wish I had my webcam up this, this stupid little podcast computer thing only has like three USB ports mm -hmm. and then they're all being taken up. As soon as I get close to a wall, I can plug the monitor into the wall directly and get my webcam going. But just a quick breakdown. It like, you can look at your volume per workout, sets per workout, workouts per week, volume per week, workout duration, reps per week. It's like, it just has everything that you could want. You like, you can look at the breakdown of, um, Oh my God. It's, it's so nice. And did you, did you download it or no? Not yet. Not yet. My okay. phone is so full of stuff, but what I'm going to do is, uh, uh, tomorrow I mm -hmm. I'm going back to golds and, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to start using it, uh, because I need to, you know, when you, so my work, uh, the past like three weeks of work have been kind of stupid and yep. it, it, I get weird when I'm, I miss my lifting days. I, I got a few days in here and there, but it wasn't optimal. So yep. uh, I'm attacking it tomorrow and that's when I'm going to start using it. Um, but the, what I like, I, I don't know how it would configure it on the graph, but I'm real. I will just leave all this in. I, I, um, I go back and forth from just regular. I, I always like to do full body. I don't like to do splits. Yep. Um, I, I just, I want the whole, I want the whole soreness. If, if everything is going to be sore after like going past a threshold, I want to be nice and stiff and sore the next day to where I'm stretching out and just focusing on getting that mobility and flexibility back. And it feels so good to get those muscles stretched out when they're like that. Yeah. Um, uh, but I want to get back because I, I used to do this a little more frequently. I've been focused more on, three sets of 12 to 16 reps, depending on the day. Um, mm -hmm. I want to get back to like 10 by 10 uh, strength training that that mm. old style. It's yeah. so hard to beat, especially if um, and this actually will tie perfectly into the rapamycin thing when Clark is back, because um, this is my whole dilemma with the bodybuilding thing. I, I agree. I'm not trying to be like Mr. Olympia or anything that I, I think that that is, a, um, un, I am, I respect those guys that do it. Anyone that tr like just completely transforms their body out of will alone. I have <laughs> mad respect for, yeah. but it's not a, uh, it's not going to promote longevity and it's not going to be sustainable. And I don't want to have a uh, corrective heart surgery because I've blown out my heart muscle with uh, <laughs> like what, what are this? I love some of the uh, steroids. These guys take like there's Deca, uh, Deanabol, Ekapoise. Yep, uh, yep. Yeah. The Ekapoise um, uh, is so funny because it's a horse breeding hormone that <laughs> the guys are like <laughs> using and uh that guy big lenny that I, that we've talked about from delray misfits the yes. guy that eats the raw egg in the gym and snots over everything and is like <laughs> he he um temporarily turned black because <laughs> he was taking a peptide called uh, there's a long number name to it but he was taking <laughs> melanotan that's it's just kind of regular name and um it increases tissue synthesis like a mofo, uh, <laughs> but it has a bad habit of having just unregulated mel uh, melanin production. 
So <laughs> you're gaining muscle, your ligaments are healing at unreal rates, but you're also turning black. And it's so funny because he's eating raw eggs and, and taking his shirt off and just being ridiculous in the gym. And then like two weeks later, it's like a black guy. <laughs> oh, oh. But I, I saw his live last night. I got a notification and he's in the hospital because they're trying to drain fluid from his heart. So I oh love that guy gosh. so much, but he has a comp his legs are not s circulating. And this his leg problem has been this long ordeal, but his legs are rotting and all yeah. the scabs and stuff are not healing and they're worse now. And he's in the hospital while they're draining fluid from his heart and He's he's is expected to be in there for a week while they do this. But the thing is, he keeps he's just like, you got to you got to eat and sleep to grow. You got to tear it up in the gym. The dude can barely move. In fact, you, OK, you're familiar with old school bodybuilders. Uh, Palumbo, what? Um, Franco, Franco Palumbo. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a condition called Palumboism where it's when you become insulin resistant and you're taking growth hormone and a bunch of other stuff. And uh, your abdominal wall and muscles uh, won't stop growing. So you get this dis a, a distended gut look. And it's because your abdominal muscles won't stop growing. <laughs> oh. and, and so Lenny has this in the most, they should call it Lennyism because yeah, he has should. it way worse than Palumbo ever did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if, if anyone is interested, just Google Big Lenny from Delray Misfits. That is a wild rabbit hole to go down. It is amazing. I love the guy. There are times that he has motivated me to go into the gym years ago. Mm. Uh, I just hate that his his approach to uh, building his body is so toxic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Uh, but now that Clark's back, uh, we can yes. get on to the, uh, the supplements and drug list if you want to. Okay. All right. All right. So here we go. Um, I'm going to scroll down here because it's hard to figure out when I'm going to what which ones I'm actually going to. So like I said in the beginning, there is a whole bunch of stuff I studied extensively and some stuff has kind of leaked out of my brain. I still take those supplements, etc. Uh, calcium AKG is one of those. It has a really good when looking at um, the frailty index of just uh, population. Uh, calcium AKG seems to be extremely good at um, retaining certain types of strength and um, like uh, energy and like power you're telling your muscles to do. You know, there's like grip strength and all this kind of stuff. Calcium AKG seems to cover a lot of bases. There's a lot of stuff that has fallen out of my head. Calcium a AKG is one that I take. Um, apigenin. Apigenin is a really interesting uh, it's, um, it's categorized in the, um, seriferous family. So you've got like all your broccolis and your cabbages and, and that stuff. The really cool thing about seriferous, uh, vegetables is that in populations that eat a lot of these, um, types of, uh, vegetables, um, there is, uh, a little longer lifespan and a massive reduction in cancer rates. Uh, one of the cool things that are in seriferous vegetables are compounds um, uh, called um, seriferous compounds, but they, one of them is indol three. And I actually see, I was in a rush when I was making this list. So I believe I may make a revised version of this, but indol three is one that I take religiously. Indol three, dim, 
which is marketed towards women to uh, that like menopause and hormonal fluctuations. It, it really doesn't matter. It's extremely good for men too. Uh, DIM is another compound found in these things. Uh, D-I, capital D-I-M. Indol-3 is the other one. And apigenin is, is the third. Apigenin is really interesting because um, it gets the mind. It's good to take it at night right before bed because it's it, it, it has a weird characteristic of getting the mind in a uh, relaxed state. Um, there's another one that you can take along with apigenin that's a really good stack. Uh, specifically, there's all kinds of um, magnesiums, ma- magnesium chelate, magnesium citrate, magne- you know, all of these things. Magnesium threonate is really good for getting the, uh, I forget which brave brain wave it is. I don't want, I don't want to say Delta, but there's a brain wave that it can get like part of, uh, one of your lobes in, and it's, it's, it's really good for right before bed. So if you stack, uh, um, apigenin and, uh, magnesium threonate, I personally do, uh, magnesium threonate, um, apigenin, um, valerian root, magnesium, or excuse me, I already said that, um, and L-theanine, valerian root, uh, magnesium threonate, apigenin, and those things are really good uh, bef- before you fall asleep. Now, if you have trouble, I, for whatever reason, as the day progresses, my mind gets more and more hyper and alert. I, I've always ha- I've always been a night owl, and it's not great for longevity. So if you have trouble with that, one a really good just kind of hack to do is to take a little bit of uh, it's marketed as equal, but it's diphenhydramine. It's just a a very uh, low weight antihistamine. It's the same thing that's in Benadryl that you can take to to get you into like oh I'm getting sleepy, and then you get into sleep, and then the other stuff can kind of keep you asleep, especially if your lifestyle is honed in where you're working out your heart rate variability is good as a result of that and you, you stay in deep sleep um okay so the other thing i do for sleep is i have a uh, eight sleep mattress and uh at different stages i i can i can make it's uh, water cooled it has a tank and circulates through the top of it and i can get my mattress down to 55 degrees and then i have trouble waking up uh, I, I, I'm a slow starter, but then I, I just burst with energy as the day goes on. So I get myself to sleep. And then when you at certain street sleep, uh, points in studies and in sleep clinical research, where they put people in a bed and monitor them all night. If, if, if you're in, uh, deep and REM, REM is really good for memory retention and stuff like that. Deep sleep is like your tissue is repairing and all of that stuff. Uh, I'm averaging throughout all my wearables and my bed monitors, my my heart rate variability, my pulse, my um, breathing rate, all those things. Uh, bet- averaging between all of them, if on a good night, I'm getting around two hours of deep deep sleep stage and about two hours of REM, and the rest is the light sl- lighter sleep cycles. What's cool about your mattress cooling you? And at different times when it detects you're an REM or deep is that if the temperature dips down right at the tail end of when you would normally pop out of deep, it seems that people stay in deep sleep longer when your body stays at a cooler temperature. Now, as I've set my bed to get up to like 105 degrees and vibrate when I awake. So I'm actually, I actually have to get up. It's very uncomfortable. I don't like to be hot when I sleep. So wait, the wait. 
your your bed gets to 105 degrees oh, no the so i can set it that's just part of it hold on so my i can i can set my bed to um let's see here i can set it to 110 uh uh to wake <laughs> me up uh i can also dial it down to 55 degrees uh uh to to keep me asleep what kind um, of bed do you have it's a, it's a eight sleep and and it's 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 great highly recommend it they also are on a firm uh i did not buy it outright i'm still making payments on my bed um so so uh but it's really cool because if i'm not near my bed it will send me a text saying it's time to go to bed so it's it's i, I just i love it it's like automated sleep and i highly recommend it i also like to uh i don't do it all the time but if you like i said in the previous thing if you elevate your legs you're increasing that cranial pressure you're keeping your body cooled at different uh, sleep stages and you can also let the app take over so it when it detects you're in whatever sleep stage it will either raise or cool the temperature to keep you in that stage so you can just let it go and and the more you sleep in it the more it figures out your sleep habits and automates that for you and i don't even have to think about it it's, it's amazing do all not, right so back to the do not no, go be ahead. do not be surprised if you go to your bed tonight and it's missing and it's at my house because <laughs> yeah, that seems, it's, it's that seems like an awesome bed because <laughs> my bed compared to your bed is a piece of shit bed <laughs> it's like a two inch foam mattress <laughs> the I, yeah you should you should go on the website and look around they have a few different uh i got the one that fits over your so if you have a bed you like in terms of firmness or softness or whatever you can get the top that fits over the top of it um and all that so yeah you can just shop around there's different models of them um so okay back to supplements huh is it hackable like a your neighbor <laughs> I, I hope not i hope not <laughs> i would my neighbor, man. I would neighbor's to gonna mess, mess up my sleep cycles near me like <laughs> your neighbor is quietly stewing you while you sleep that's great <laughs> uh all right so uh, we went through his those supplements had to do with sleep so we got into a little bit of the sleep thing so i'm going to go down the list let's get into the prescribed drugs um they're uh extremely easy to get now because it's telehealth there's um four prescriptions that i take that are longevity drugs acarbos rapamycin metformin and lowdose naltrexone lowdose naltrexone is really interesting because regular naltrexone is a um uh an anti uh what is it when people are on no it's an anti-narcotic so people that are coming off of opioids or stuff that was what it was originally intended for um so to help people suppressor. yeah it, it helps people get off of like pills and stuff but what what's really interesting is in very low doses like uh we're talking about like dramatically different doses they found that it it, it exhibits completely different properties in inside you so the low dose, they've found that it has this amazing ability to suppress tumorous and cancerous growth. Um, there have been people with really late stage cancers where it's it's halted um, unchecked growth very well. They're still un trying to understand the mechanisms of why it's doing that. Um, it also increases your uh, overall uh, endorphins 
uh, and uh, you're, you're, you have a higher pain tolerance while you're on it as a side effect, which is really interesting. Uh, then there's a carbose. A carbose is, uh, uh, is really interesting because when you take it, it, it starts changing the way your gut processes carbohydrates. And there's a little bit of a, a weird, um, bar to entry like it's a little bit uncomfortable stomach things and then once you get through that like third or fourth day i don't it, like i take the normal dose and it doesn't do anything it helps regulate my blood sugar so if your blood sugar stays really low and you're not spiking your blood sugar and insulin stuff you're going to have less disease related uh, 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 ailments from like insulin uh, things it, it, it you know if you're not spiking your insulin and having a bunch of sugar you're, you're just going to live longer and not have as many uh, disease uh, issues there uh, metformin is very very similar it, it affects blood sugar a lot um, which this is going to get into uh, hair stuff so this is just for the boys um, but metformin is really interesting because it um, it's it's a statin and it helps regulate triglycerides now I naturally have extremely high triglycerides. Um, um, uh, the my like it might be why my testosterone levels are high because it's it's like your mother hormone cholesterol and all the fats and then it, you get the cascade of hormones from that. Um, metformin uh, helps reduce the amount of of. Uh, triglycerides but the thing is like okay if you have if you're someone you need to talk to your doctor i'm by the way i should have said this in the beginning i'm not a doctor so i'm just telling you what i do uh i was, I no I was gonna put that disclaimer at the end of the <laughs> yeah. show but yeah you're good um so but metformin is really interesting because it uh it lowers triglycerides so let's say you're somebody that has you're prone to infections um you have a, some strange infections that your doctors are trying to figure out. You want to be really careful with metformin because uh, triglycerides naturally encapsulate certain types of infections in your blood and you get this thing called biofilm. It's the body's natural way of like handling and kind of compartmentalizing, quarantining certain types of pathogens. So be careful with that. Um, but what I'm doing is like my company is telling me they, they're giving me a low dose of metformin what i'm doing is aware of some of the side effects of metformin i'm going even lower than that they're they're prescribing me 500 milligrams i'm cutting that pill in half to 250 milligrams daily that's what i'm doing because i i'm just like gonna test the waters and all that what's crazy is between the the low dose naltrexone and the metformin i have an un a noticeable shift of sustained energy and mental well-being throughout the day. Um, uh, I, I, it's just so noticeable to me. It's ridiculous. Um, metformin can also, um, uh, in, in, and this might want to be one of the other characteristics, it seems to have some effect in some people where it, uh, it mildly raises some types of estradiol, which is another thing that I want to talk about. Um, there is a precursor hormone that's similar to estradiol which you don't want a lot of especially if you're well if you're a male uh you want okay so with estradiol there's there's a precursor there's 17 beta estradiol which has been shown it's a non-feminizing form of estrogen that has been shown in males low doses you're talking like a milligram patch a day to uh dramatically increase lifespan and uh 
and a whole bunch of other things. One of the interesting things that it also does is it uh, it can protect your hairline if you're prone to uh, thinning. Like its main purpose is longevity purposes, but it's cool to have a side effect that uh, is keeping your hair. So which also uh, uh, leads me into the the boys section of this uh, uh, androgen based like male pattern baldness. Um, if you're someone that's prone to thinning, there's a couple ways you can kind of go about it. You shouldn't be, you know, ashamed if, if it's like really bad and you, you know, it's such an uphill battle, just shave it. Who cares? Um, but if you're wanting to retain it, um, there's topicals like um, uh, finasteride, which uh, is a cool uh, inhibit. It inhibits the enzyme that helps break down DHT or breaks down testosterone into dihydrotestosterone. So if you're someone that um, in your family is prone to high levels of DHT, you should get that looked at. You don't want to completely wipe out your DHT levels because you can get really dry joints. You can uh, DHT is kind of a joint protectant. So um, you want to look out for that. You don't want to completely block DHT, but as you get older, some people, it, the DHT production gets out of control. Um, and it can also lead to prostate issues and large prostate and cancer risks. So keeping DHT in check is great. Just always get blood panels to know what you're doing. Um, the other thing, the other topical you can do is mid midoxidol. It's, it's just a uh, midoxidil, midoxidol. It's a, um, it's a vasodilator kind of similar to uh, Viagra, originally heart medications. But what it does is it also blocks the enzyme that is uh, – that regulates the rigidity of your arterial walls so when you take it you block that enzyme therefore your uh, uh you have more blood flow through capillaries and veins and arteries uh be careful with that because if you take too much you can uh get dizzy because your your blood pressure will in turn drop but for those that are interested in uh getting a massive pump at the gym and have no issues down there you can take Viagra before your workout and you can get massive pumps. So if you're doing curls, if you're doing squats, uh, just, I mean, I'm talking about a low dose of Viagra. You can get massive, uh, just blood pumped to those muscle groups. And it's an amazing feeling. I know. Ha ha ha. We're talking about dick medication. It was originally a heart medication. One of the main side effects were massive erections. So they reclassified the drug for boner pills. But you can take it and you can work out while you take it. Don't take too much because if you do some crazy leg presses, you are going to faint. Trust me, it, you, your blood pressure will drop. Then all the blood rushes to your legs and you're going to have an issue. So take really low amounts. Just um, walking around the gym with a massive. <laughs> I really like working out. <laughs> Let me spot you, bro. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, oh, the other really cool thing about taking a vasodilator when you're taking micronutrients, like, so, like, let's say you're taking fulvic minerals, uh, trace minerals, things like that, you're having better delivery to those sites that you want uh, certain nutrition to go to. So, you know, uh, one of the one, the main factors around hair loss is like insulin issues. So not not eating a lot of sugar and controlling your insulin levels will in turn help your hairline. Uh, good proper blood flow. So massaging the scalp, uh, uh, applying uh, things that reduce localized DHT um, um, 
receptor site binding because uh, DHT, for whatever reason, there's a whole bunch of receptor sites in your scalp that DHT loves to bind to. And in turn, it's blocking nutrients to hair follicles that cause them to atrophy and shrink. So if you're blocking DHT, you're taking vasodilators or massaging the scalp to where you're getting blood flow to the scalp and you're taking micronutrients. Some of the micronutrients I take, fulvic minerals, gelatin, grass-fed gelatin, um, diatomaceous earth for the silica, um, all kinds of things, B vitamins. You can take biotin, keratin, et cetera, and your hair will thank you. Um, so anyway, done with hair talk. <clears throat> Let's check here. Uh, vitamin DK3, obviously. Ah, now for my favorite, rapamycin, because it's going to be a little bit of a conversation. We talked about how it was discovered in on Easter Island and all that stuff. Um, rapamycin has a crazy half-life. It stays in your system for a really long time. So you only take it for longevity purposes once a week. Um, when it was first discovered, it was almost thrown out because the Canadian like pharmaceutical company that were gathering all of these things they were closing up shop and they didn't want certain research to get out. So the guy that uh, was in charge of stashing this drug in the refrigerator that stayed in this refrigerator forever uh, actually smuggled it out. And, and later we found a whole bunch of cool uses for rapamycin, but it was originally slated to be destroyed along with a bunch of research when a, a, a Canadian pharmaceutical company was either being merged or thrown out or something like that. So, Rapamycin is a really interesting bacteria. Um, rapamycin loves to knock out mTOR, which is a uh, it's a regulator inside you for a cell growth and damage. So, all right, when you get a cut, mTOR activates and 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 you start healing quickly. Um, when you eat a bunch of sugar, mTOR activates. Um, when you, let's see what else. Oh, if you have a massive amount of meat, which I want to get into because eating meat is extremely healthy, but I don't like this thing where either there's, you know, there's two sides. There's people always make uh, a religion out of diet. You get either your meat eaters or your hardcore vegans. It always becomes like this thing. Just get blood work know exactly what your uh what's going on in your body when you eat a thing for a while like know what it is because then then you throw out the argument of all these camps like unless you know what's what your what your biomarkers are on a diet you can't really be like this or that because like let's say you eat a bunch of meat and that's all you eat and you have all this um change in um uh autoimmune uh, disorder, which a lot of people report when they start carnivore diet. W what may be happening is that you're dramatically changing your diet so much that your body is getting a temporary relief from some type of inflammation, but there's no guarantee that that won't come back on the new diet after you uh, get used to it. <clears throat> so it's it's just more important to get blood work done and also get, uh, there's a really cool test called Alatest. You can get your blood uh, measured against a whole grouping of foods to see what you specifically react to, and then you can avoid it. Um, so anyway, that's what I have to say about diets. But uh, meat is important for a few different reasons. If you are someone that just completely avoids meat, your entire any animal based things your entire life, you're going to run into some issues: loose teeth, falling out hair pasty skin, the inability to regulate your body temperature, uh, ve like vegans have been vegan for a very long time. One of the 
classic problems they have is regulating their body temperature, um, uh, uh, connective tissue issues. So like if you just stop consuming the raw material that you are made out of, like you're made out of meat, if you stop consuming those amino acid profiles, like what are some of the organs you are rebuilding? What are they being rebuilt with? There's plants are good at some amino acids, but there's a lot of amino acids that they just don't naturally produce like lysine and uh, methionine and stuff like that. Now, now there's a trade-off. If you're eating a ton of meat, you are also triggering mTOR. Okay. So yeah, the weird thing is with meat is that it, um, it, it can trigger mTOR, uh, specifically methionine. But the, the, the thing is, is and bodybuilding in general, like this whole idea of uh, eating a ton, sleeping a ton, and causing a lot of controlled muscular damage uh, to, to facilitate growth. The problem is, is you, that's, uh, you're activating mTOR for that growth, and perpetual growth is not ideal for longevity because the more you're triggering your cells to divide for that growth uh you are you are uh closing out how many cell divisions you have left in life the object of the game is to if you're looking for to longevity like living long and dying quick is that you you want to slow down the amount of times those cells divide without those cells becoming damaged in the first place so uh working out is clearly very good for you it create a uh, controlled stress is really good for longevity um over stress and over growth is not so what's cool about rapamycin is its original case use was for organ it was an organ rejection drug organ rejection drugs you're basically uh, you don't want your body attacking the new organ you got thinking it's a foreign body, whatever. So there are these people that are on daily rapamycin and they have to take it forever so that their um, their body isn't constantly in a state of like attacking a new, uh, something they don't recognize. So one of the things that was found out through that use is that it suppresses mTOR and if you, and, and it has a really long uh, half-life. So it stays in your system for roughly a week uh, so the longevity protocol is to is anywhere from four milligrams to 14 milligrams once a week. And what you're doing is you're temporarily suppressing mTOR, which is triggering cell division and growth and and that kind of thing. Now, there's diets that you can follow that will also suppress mTOR. Uh, a lot of them, specifically Brian Johnson, is eating mostly a uh, uh, plant-based diet because plants will not trigger mTOR nearly as bad as meat. Now, my whole thing is I look at this as more of more or less of a dance and obviously blood results will get you um, like a better window on what actually is occurring in your own body. So bl blood panels before and after you do something is always necessary. But the way I see it is if you're going to be a long-term plant-based person, you need to know that there are going to be some risks associated with that. So what I personally do is I'm I'm eating organ meat, I'm eating grass-fed meats, I'm taking grass-fed gelatin and um, uh, collagen. So I'm getting the raw materials my 
meat machine needs to replicate the, the, those building blocks to have uh, strong cells or strong raw materials for rebuilding bone, joints, ligaments, organs, skin, hair, teeth, all that stuff. Because those cells are constantly being replaced out and have to have those raw materials. At the same time, overdoing meat is not ideal because you're with the methionine in meat, that specific amino acid, you're triggering mTOR. So it's it in my mind, it's a dance. Now, this whole thing, a lot of people are like, well, eating, eat, well, that's not natural or it's not natural to get. I, I know that a lot of people have criticized Brian Johnson for like, okay, it's not natural to get 17 beta estradiol patches and put them on and then eat this way and then take well the the point is is that it's not it doesn't matter if it's natural or not the point the point is is to figure it's it's biohacking you're figuring out uh all the different tricks on all these different biological levers and cell functions to manipulate for your end result which is less disease and living longer so it, it really doesn't matter uh, whether or not it's natural or something you wouldn't find in nature or whatever. It, it, you're doing something for a specific outcome and you're leveraging what you know about all these things and then you're getting a result. So uh, mTOR is interesting. Rapamycin temporarily suppresses that. You don't want to always uh, just knock out mTOR because like you need to heal. You need, I mean, if you never, if your cells don't divide, you'll eventually die. So there, it, I look at that like a dance too, because you're just, you're, you're pumping the brakes on that cell division through that mTOR pathway. Your, your cells are dividing slower, therefore you're living longer because there's not an accumulation of genetic damage every time a cell divides. So there, there we go. Are there any other supplements or anything else that you're, you're taking that you want to bring up before we move on to because i'm really interested in the uh some of the the therapies like the miscellaneous therapies that you had put down but are there any other supplements or anything else that you want to bring up before we move on to that one um not really i mean it, it's if, if the listeners want to there there's like a bunch of supplements i take for mechanical benefits and then there's like for instance the eye drops are interesting because it's not really a supplement, but it's like this mechanical thing you can do for your eye to reduce the risk of cataracts building up because it more or less is the way uh, 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 calluses form. There's things like that, but you know, there's there's uh, garlic for cardiovascular health. There's ginger. There's all kinds of different herbs and different supplements that have different roles in my overall thing. But basically. You know, 80% of the supplements I take are written on that, that I've dropped in uh, what whichever room I did on the Discord. One supplement that, like, I, I saw, like, the omega and the garlic, and one that mm -hmm. one that I take pretty regularly is a beetroot. And that Ooh, one yeah. is, like, a vasculator, and it, like, helps mm -hmm. the blood flow. And it's all, again, it's, it's natural because it's beets, obviously. Um, but... That one I really do enjoy taking. So the, what I would say about the, that entire list is, especially like you as a listener, everything that Seth had said, um, just make sure you do your research. And if you're curious about something, you know, look at the studies on it. Um, you know, because there are, I will say there are a lot of studies out there that 
you know, don't have human trials on them. And I'm not saying like on your list specifically, Seth, but mm-hmm. really look at like the site you're you're using and the amount of studies that have been done on said supplement because uh, oh, I I I I really don't like the supplement industry as a whole right now, like especially with the influencers and everything mm-hmm. with like they you know they'll 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 as long as they're an influencer and you know someone wants to get their supplement out there they just put like face ripper or you know like muscle thrasher and like you know kids will buy it and that's the thing that's the sad thing about it is like some of that stuff is aimed towards kids long story short just do your research know what you're putting inside your body um but Absolutely. yeah we'll, we'll we'll move on to the some of those miscellaneous therapies now uh, one of the first ones that you have on there is the sauna. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. No, if you have a specific question about it, go for it. Oh no, I just personally saunas. Like I, I know there's, I know there's benefits to them, but I rather go for a run or sit on a, a sit on a bike and pedal for an hour. Than sit in a sauna. I, there's something about just sitting there and sweating that I just cannot handle. I, I just do not like yeah. it. It's. I know everyone's different, but yeah, yeah. Um. All right. So this goes back to like my whole thing where I, I obsessively research this like one topic, and there and some of it is has poured out of my head. But basically, looks. Uh, if you if you're interested in sauna and ice baths, uh, look up heat shock proteins and cold shock proteins. And their role in uh, the telomeres at the end of your chromosomes, they apparently have heavy, heavy influence on uh, influences on those. Uh, the idea is is that we have these uh, genetic switches in us that start uh, uh, altering our biology in in uh, extreme circumstances. So, like our ancestors crossing an icy tundra, and 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 the protective benefits of cold shock proteins that have to do with uh, survival, essentially. Uh, there are the, all these survival mechanisms that uh, make your body more efficient and see you through like a really hard period. Uh, you know, the human race has been bottlenecked several times and a lot of crazy stuff has happened. So it makes sense that there are these genetic switches that uh, play a role in survival. Uh, and and uh, a lot of heat exposure and, and and its function and role in switching on these these switches to uh, what do you call it um, your telomeres and those pathways are really interesting. So uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick uh, does a lot of research on that, and she pulls from a whole bunch of studies and um, Andrew Huberman and and stuff like that. So, but I I really like um, saunaing. There's a bunch of other things that occur too. Uh, there's a thing called um, there's like this like all, all cause mortality. It's a term. It basically means um, uh, anything that isn't like an accidental death. Like if as long as you're not hit by a bus, uh, all cause mortality is basically like a, whatever mechanism you die naturally of. Uh, there, uh, if, if I believe a, a four sauna uses a week. Uh, can dramatically decrease all uh, all all cause mortality rates in like a group of of test subjects. 
whether they be animals or people. Uh, same thing with uh, cold exposure. Um, and so I like to alternate between them. For me personally, I hear what you're saying about like not liking the sauna. I personally love the sauna. You're also sweating a ton, which is really good for your methylation pathways. So you're you're excreting a bunch of environmental junk and everything. I hate that woo-woo stuff online where it's like every little thing is like detox and de you got to detox and detox. It's like, well, my whole thing about detox is like, what are you talking about? Uh, like, um, there there are specific things that can go into your body that are synthetic or man-made or environmental that are really difficult for your body to uh, know what to do with. Like one of the industrial chemicals out there that are like kind of floating everywhere is benzene. And so there's a thing you can take when we were talking earlier about uh, soriferous vegetables, broccoli sprouts, broccoli seeds in general contain this compound called sulforaphane that is uh, a very potent trigger of the methylation pathways. So you will start to excrete a measurable amount of benzene that has been caused that has been shown to cause uh, genetic damage and mutation and all kinds of stuff because your body has trouble getting rid of it. So if you're talking about detox, what are you, what specific compound are you talking about and how are you, what's the pathway you're going to eliminate it? When you take sulforaphane, uh, about two to three hours later, there is a massive amount of benzene excretion through your urine that is measurable. So when we talk about detox, I want I want to know that it's not just this this uh, you know cosmic you know detox term that's thrown on everything. I want to know exactly what what we're talking about. So um, benzene can be excreted through uh, sulforaphane. It, it it works in the methylation pathways of the liver and other things. So there's that. But going back to sauna use, when you sweat, you're also doing the same thing. You're improving detoxification of certain compounds that you are either exposed to through whatever line of work you're in or environmental or just breathing if you're in a like a major city or whatever all, all the environmental junk that's out there uh there's a bunch of stuff that comes out of your sweat it's good for you um i enjoy sauna use now the flip side is uh, ice plunges are rough i have a problem with ice plunges but what the way I do it, and, and, and I do sauna regularly, and then I do do the ice bath, but the ice bath, I'm not as good about as I am with saunaing. But the way I remedy that is in the sauna, I get so hot and out of my mind uncomfortable. Uh, I, uh, I have my, I go down the street to my Mapco and just get a few big bags of party ice, throw it in my tub and fill the water up, you know, on the cold and then pour, pour all the ice in, get in my sauna until I'm absolutely miserable. Then I immediately get out and plunge in the ice. And man, you feel extremely weird. It's like a very weird uh, head high. Uh, sometimes if I'm lazy, I'll do a cold shower directly after the sauna. So I'm getting my heat shock proteins and cold shock proteins in basically one session. And, and there's that. Uh, I, and And you know, I'm not that old. I'm 34, but like I, I've noticed that skin doesn't behave as uh, as it once did in high school. At least I've noticed that. Uh, it's really interesting what happens when you sauna to that degree and then ice bath to that degree. The skin rigidity 
is insane. Like your skin feels like so completely new. It's very interesting. So cosmetically, that's a nice side effect. Uh, well, when you say yeah. like in the sauna, like are you just like turning it up to like 150 in there and no, just like staying in there for an? Uh, what? How? Wait, say that again. One, it's a it's an infrared <laughs> sauna and it is 170. Oh uh, now 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 I'm in there. I I let about 10 minutes pass to where it actually is. You know, I can noticeably feel it's hot, and then I get in it. And I would say I stay in there from uh, 35 minutes to 45 minutes. Um, and that, and in an infrared sauna, you're heating from the inside out and, and you, you feel it pretty quick, especially if you let it kind of boot up within that 10 minutes and then get in it. Um, I also kind of put, I have, uh, some red lights. I forget the exact nanometer. It's like, uh, it's like, I want to say like 300 and something nanometer, uh, red light diodes. Uh, I have some of those that I pair with it. I don't know the exact nanometer. Uh, but I have red lights that are supposed to help with um, uh, capillary circulation. So it's more of an external thing. It's also good for your hair because, you know, you're, the, more, the more you're getting your blood to tra transport through your system, it's good for hair follicles, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so a little bit of red light in my sauna, and I just cook myself until I plunge into the ice, and it I, I feel like uh, that temporary amount of discomfort, I feel like a million bucks, like an hour later. Um, so there, there's one therapy. Oh, geez, Seth. I mean, that's, <laughs> I just, I, 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 I try to wrap my head around everything that, everything that you're doing and everything like that. And it's, it's so, I, I don't know. It's almost like what kind of Grindhouse was saying. It's, it seems like, to just jump into everything that you're doing would be so tough. And like, was it gradual for you yes, too? Yeah, it was gradual. I didn't just start doing everything at once. It first really started with intermittent fasting and then it kind of just escalated from there. <laughs> well, I, I mean, what is, is there anything else that you, Unless other... I, I'm on my phone now, so I've got to like do a whole bunch of stuff to get to my list. Unless there's something specific on the list. I remember rebounding and trampoline and, and occasional like massage therapy. Basically, it's just moving that lymphatic system around. When you get an infection, you're going to notice like a swell up of your lymph nodes, either like under your armpits or neck or whatever. Uh, lymphatic, uh, the lymphatic system drains infection and move things around, around for excretion. Uh, generally speaking, you want that lymphatic system, uh, uh, you know, this, I, all of this stuff on this protocol are, are, are multi-tiered. There's a whole bunch of different, you know, things you're doing, but, but generally speaking, if your lymphatic system is moving freely and those lymphatic valves are opening and shutting, which happens when you're trampolining that force of gravity, the, those G's that you're experiencing on the down and then the up, you're the, you have, uh, lymphatic valves that are like opening and shutting and it, it and especially with like massage therapy you're 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 manually moving uh lymphatic fluid around your body which is just helping you uh with you know whatever your body is, ha is struggling with in terms of infection so there's that um and i don't remember the rest of the list um you had um meditation probiotics uh, the yes. water, drinking a gallon of water a day, mm -hmm. and then the ozone blood filtration. 
Uh, yeah. Okay. So this is like a therapy that is in uh, certain states. Uh, it's kind of hard to come by. Basically, what they're doing is it's almost like a dialysis machine. I'll send some photos of my my blood filter when it's done. Um, it's uh, it uh, there's a whole bunch of crud that gets caught in the filter, which is like good. Some of it is um, uh, fats, but the thing is, like with uh, I've had like issues with in, the reason I know about the whole infection and biofilm and all that is because I've had some issues with infection in the past. One of the ways your body handles it is it encapsulates it in what we call biofilm. I mean, think of like how dust mites use dust as a house, essentially. Um, the removal of biofilms that are that are actually the, the lipids that are actually turning into biofilms, removing those from your blood is like good. Uh, also, when they're doing this, they're they're putting they're they're infusing your um, blood with O3 that eventually breaks down into oxygen. And um, it, it, the O3 is also extremely caustic to infections. Uh, so you, you doing that killing stuff, there's a thing called die-off. Uh, if you have a massive infection in your blood and then all of a sudden you kill it, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you now have to get rid of. And people get sick from that. It's, it's called herxing or die-off. Uh, and and uh, eliminating those things in your blood after they're dead is 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 pretty important. That's why this therapy, you're you're like there's things called spirochetes. So if you have Lyme disease or whatever, these more and more hospitals are taking like Rocky Mountain spotted fever or Lyme disease more and more seriously. It used to be kind of like you're weird and it's like borderline conspiracy if you talk to your doctor about that. Now they have like specialists. Like if you go into the ER, they have specialists that are extremely familiar with these types of infections, which operate differently. They're smaller, and there are these things called spirochetes that can hide, and a lot of like things like uh, normal ways you would kill something, it doesn't affect things. Like why? That's why a lot of people just accept they have Lyme disease. It's like a chronic illness, uh, but there are things that are extremely caustic to it, and ozone is one of those things. Now, you're... It, when this is happening, you're not just pumping a bunch of ozone in your blood. You're, you're having a doctor regulate through a gauge how much exposure, because that is also a, a very oxidative gas. So you don't want like too much of it and it's being regulated, but it will kill certain pathogens and then you have to filter that out. So that's that's one thing. Um, uh, what was the other one? Oh, oh, the water yeah uh, the more you drink i mean it, it, a lot of people are dehydrated the more you drink uh the more you're you can you can fully saturate yourself and you don't have to just pee all the time so you know water preferably reverse osmosis very clean you just drink a ton of it and stay hydrated we're mostly water it's like kind of the uh the 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 matrix that everything operates in all these mechanisms we're talking about um because you are just mostly water what was the other thing you mentioned i forget the other thing uh meditation oh yeah meditation's great uh i i like it because there's this um uh, uh and and you can actually bring up your app uh now that we're talking about apps there's a there's a cool wearable that i just got into called whoop it's basically uh just an advanced version of fitbit uh th th what's cool is you can now you can like compete with your th there's like scores you get on 
like your heart rate variability and all of that kind of stuff and and what what your body is rested versus the stress you undergo like workouts so you can compete with people in your area on who can get to the top of like high performing workouts or having the most optimum uh recovery um which is cool uh and then you have a app where you can uh, track your lifting progress and then it it spits it out into a graph that you can see your progress through which i'm going to actually start tomorrow when i uh do start doing my heavy lifts yeah the the app is called fit notes and by no means am i like promoting this or anything like that it's and there's plenty of apps out there the reason why i chose to do this one and the reason why i like it is because you can add your own workouts into it they already have like pre-made exercises and everything and it's it's really streamlined and when you open up the app it's essentially just blank and it says uh workout log empty and then you can either you know start a new workout or there's like a plus button at the very top and then you just go down to like a body part that you're working on so you can add that the sets the reps the time it's very nice and like kind of like what seth was saying once you have like a week or month a year you know added to the app then you can start breaking you can you can uh, pull up one in the settings it's like analysis and you can start seeing like how much volume how many reps how many sets what specifically are you working more you know like if you're trying to do a full body like that month did you just focus on your legs when it's like all right now i need to adjust it's very very intuitive and it's it's really nice so if you're looking for an app that you know is really kind of gives you some feedback this would be it but if you're also looking for something that's pretty easy to use i would also suggest this i've been using this app since 2016 um and it's really fun to look at like the years and uh just see look at all the charts and everything so I suggest checking it out if you don't have something and you're looking to track your workouts because like as, like Seth was saying, because um, we were talking the other day, just writing your stuff down in a notebook can get kind of like you, it's hard to see your prog progress. So this is just a, a way to uh, a way to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, that's pretty much it. If anyone else has anything to say, uh, yeah, again, I'm not a doctor. This is just what I do. Uh, uh, talk to your doctor, especially if you have any kind of uh, medical conditions. Like, don't don't just, like, jump into something. Uh, always get blood work. Uh, talk to your doctor. Uh, know that it's not going to interfere with anything. And, uh, but, yeah, I I mean, the cool thing about all these open protocols is that it does not matter uh, what... Uh, I don't know, walk of life, you, you can you can appropriate, you can pick and choose what you think it would be best for you to do and, and just do a portion of it. Like just a portion is better than nothing. And, you know, if you choose it, you can, it's just cool that we have all, all of this research. This is widely available. Agreed, agreed. So yeah, last minute, last minute thoughts, Grindhouse, Clark. Boy, um... Well, I think you sort of said it a few minutes ago when you said this feels, it feels overwhelming. Like there's so much to it. <laughs> um, it really, it really is. Cause I'm, I'm thinking about it and I'm like, well, you know, a lot of what's being said here makes sense. And a lot of it's just simply making the decision to take better care of yourself. 
And then once you've made that decision and you're firm in it, it's like the sky's kind of the limit, right? You can do anything. Um, so I think this is a, if nothing else, it's a great template. And then to what Seth said, it's like you can pick and choose what part of it's going to suit your lifestyle. Um, but I think ultimately the goal being a better lifestyle, you know? So, uh, no, there's definitely some things here I'm going to look into. A couple of the things that Seth said were interesting to me, like it piqued my interest, like, hmm, okay. You know, I know that thinking about all this, the thing that my head keeps coming back to is, like I said earlier, I'm a few months away from being 50 years old. So is it quote-unquote too late? Now, I would argue no, and that to think that is something of a defeatist strategy. Um, but at the same time, it's like I think about, okay, I'm going to go to the gym and work out. And it's like, well, I've already got a shoulder that falls out if I look at it wrong. I've, you know, in the last, like, three months, I've blown out an Achilles. I tore a calf muscle. And this is just, like, doing shit around my yard. It's like, so, but at the same time, it's like, if I engaged in something like this, would, would those kind of things happen less often? Would, would I be less prone to injury? And my gut tells me probably. So it's it's just interesting that there are all these things available and that there are people that are super into it. And, and to be perfectly honest, it's good that the way that Seth comes about this, and he says it every single time, do your research. So it's not it's not going off half-cocked and just throwing shit at a wall and see what sticks. Um, it seems like it's really well thought out. Um, it's an interesting plan. It's making me think about the things I do every day and maybe I should do them differently. So that's kind of my last thought. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, a lot to go through. A lot I kind of want to look into more and just, um, you know, some of these I would be open to checking out and, uh, <clears throat> you know, taking advantage of them. I, mean, I can't see there being a downside to trying or even doing it on a consistent basis. Um, other than that, I'm going to go eat some chicken wings and play Starfield. <laughs> <laughs> well, I th that I think sounds like a good Sunday. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, Seth, I think we're all pretty impressed with your dedication and the amount of time and energy that you've spent researching, you know, just trying new things and, you know, like you're, you're, you're going through it and you're doing it and it's, it's very respectable and commendable and you're, you know, you're, you have all this data and you're analyzing it and it's, I feel like it's something that just after this talk, I feel like it's something that you're going to continue to do probably for the rest Ever. of your life. I, I feel like it's, it's something that you, it's, it's a part of you now. And yeah. again, it's, it's super commendable and uh, it's, it's cool to see it. And I'm excited to kind of see how this all plays out. Um, Cause we'll, we'll all be here. We'll all see your progress. So it'll, when we're old and, we can't move and you're running miles and you're doing stuff <laughs> and we're just sitting here. It'll, it'll be uh it'll be proof that this all works. So, and any last thoughts for, or anything that you want to tell the audience before we sign off? Well, I just, oh, thanks. But I mean, it, I, I appreciate <laughs> uh, uh, an episode where I can just rant about this, where it's not per our usual topic, but uh, I, I just love it. It's fun. It's, it's been fun. Yeah, yeah, and you, the audience member, hope you enjoyed it. A lot of information. We'll we'll put a lot of links and different things that we have talked about today in the description. So if you're interested in any of this, 
especially the uh what's his name um what was it? ryan johnson no what's his name ryan yeah brian johnson <laughs> ryan johnson yeah we'll, we'll put that so you can go check him out and his his weird ass family no 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 hate or anything uh but yeah go ahead check out our merchandise store check out the social medias um and you know oh, what oh, one, one one last thing one last thing before, yeah, before yeah. you sign up uh, yeah. uh if if there are any listeners that are males uh with a type a blood type uh that are 18 years to 20 <laughs> years and you're willing to uh meet me at a location and give me like a pint of blood a week i will make it financially lucrative for you um but there's a bunch of paperwork you have to sign first uh but that, that's all i had to say I was wondering if Steph was going to get around to asking for a blood boy, and here it is. <laughs> Outstanding. Seth's blood boy. Oh, we're going to make that into a shirt. I got to write that down. <laughs> All right. As, just long remember. As, as long as I'm just on the on the hill while he's doing sprints, I'm going to make sure he sprints before I get the blood. Uh, I'm, I'm coaching him. Uh, just a little, little direction there. Sorry. <laughs> uh, just remember, we don't want stuff that's normal. We want stuff that's effing weird.